We're living in the age of podcasting, which also means the age of podcast networks with large back catalogs, long-running series, limited programming, and even cross-network collaborations. How are publishers supposed to keep this all organized? With Spreaker, of course. Spreaker's customizable publisher plan lets you organize your content exactly how you want it and gives you enough pod tech tools to monetize the largest back catalogs. If you're into premium offerings for subscribers, check out Spreaker's customized RSS feeds to upload and schedule exclusive content with ease. Or use our campaign manager to manage different campaigns from one central platform. Once your podcast business gets big enough, you can even add multiple networks to one account and collaborators assigned to each one. That helps keep the true crime series away from the comedy podcasts and make sure you get the advertisements that will resonate the most with your listeners. So let's move from the age of podcasting to the age of the podcast network with Spreaker. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Welcome to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics. Red letter basics. Nothing really complicated about it. Maybe not easy, but we follow the example of the Book of Acts Church. We look at how they served the Lord, what they did, and why they did it. We dig deeper into Scripture than most will. And I believe in doing so, we have found the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining that world-shaking influence that the early church had. The influence that, for the most part, not only doesn't the world want it, but traditional church doesn't want it. They want business as usual. But we're not here for business as usual. We believe the church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. When the porch was birthed as an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc., a Florida non-for-profit since January of 2000, on solomonsporch.org is that website. It was done so that we could become a community, become a family, and reach out to others and bring them into that family. And that's why we're here each and every week. And although it's online and we don't get together as often as I would like, we are still together in spirit. If you have any questions, you can go to onsolomonsport.org or you can go to firefalltalkradio.com and use the contact button. If you'd like to support us, and we appreciate everyone that does, You can go and use the PayPal link at the bottom of the page on Firefall Talk Radio. If you don't want to use PayPal, we also use the Venmo app. And our account is under at Firefall Media Group, all one word. It's easier, more user-friendly, less fees. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site for Firefall Talk Radio. That is our main podcasting broadcasting site, Spreaker.com forward slash user forward slash Firefall Talk Radio. We're on Facebook, and we would like to communicate and interact with everybody. If you want to be a part of this community, that's how you find them. So welcome. Welcome to all our listeners, whether it's iHeartRadio or Apple Podcast or Spotify. We applied for Google, but we never heard back, and um, we'll pursue that. If it's supposed to be, it will be. Apologies that the Overwatch has been delayed for, I think it's two weeks now. We've had a lot of activity, a lot of things going on, a lot of interference trying to get back on track. So make sure you stay informed and subscribed. We're also on Facebook under Supernatural Response Team as SRT Overwatch. Where we are right now, folks, is we are taking baby steps into the new world order. Whole different topic, not what we're talking about tonight. We're still on the awakening remnant. But tonight we're taking it into application about 
Last week we talked about walking. Well, this is about walking the kingdom way. We're going to start getting into the application and actuality of the kingdom of God here and now. But we have to understand there is another kingdom out there doing what they're supposed to do, and in many cases they're much more diligent than the church has been for a very long time. And they're getting ready for their coming out party. We should be getting ready for the return of the king to shut down their party. So that's where we are. Hopefully I'll get back to Overwatch this weekend and we'll pick things up. A lot of stuff going on in the world, but don't let it dismay you. Turn off the news. Turn off social media. Stop letting all of the craziness, all of the noise, as I call it, become interference. Praise him. Just begin to praise him. I praise him for my home, my wife, my family, sons, daughter-in-laws, grandson, our furry kids. Everything that we have comes from him. I praise him for my salvation because without that, I don't have any of the things I just praised him for. I praise him for this ministry that he allows me to work. It's his ministry. I'm in the family business. Praise him for his protection over each and every one of us. He cares for you. His eyes are on you. They're on me. I praise him for the fact that he shares with us what he's doing through dreams and visions, for his healing virtues, uh, to be able to praise him for everything. Make a joyful noise. Just begin to let loose from your heart. Start out by telling him how you feel about him. Begin to thank him for what you have, and then just let it flow from your heart for his favor for the for the word for for family for being a new creation for living in these prophetic times and the excitement that he's getting ready to return so let's get ready let's praise him for those signs let's not worry about them let's not let them get us down and concerned and anxious but let's get joyful he's coming back let's pray for the middle east israel peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 122, verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. May their leadership do what the Lord wants them to do. May he protect them. The same goes for America and its leaders and the citizens at this time, this trying time. And folks, if this is getting to you, you've seen nothing yet. This is just a a prelude to the real thing. When tribulation comes, it'll be so much worse than this. So let's get spirit-filled now. Let's get ready now. Let's get the word inside of us now. Let's start caring about one another, the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice. Let's take it to heart. Let's get on our knees. Let's cry out to to the Lord. The slaughter of the innocents, what they're doing. The murder of babies in and out of the womb, the hacking them up, the selling of their body parts. If you don't see that as satanic, you're in the wrong place. Let's pray for the missing and exploited children. Exploited is a a very soft way of saying what happens to them. They're victims of sex trafficking, horrific things. Let's pray for our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. Don't turn a blind eye to it. Don't turn the page or roll past whatever it is on social media. Take a moment. The religious persecution and anti-Semitism is at a level it's not been in a very, very long time. And we're there again, except now it's Jew and Gentile, Jew and Christian. The spirit of the Antichrist, he's getting ready. He's bolder. That coming out party I mentioned, he's, he's getting ready for it. The spirit of the Antichrist that John talked about in First John 4, verse 3. Yeah, we've heard about it, and it's already in the world. Let's pray for divine wholeness, health, and continued healing as we get back to our divine design. I've talked about that a lot. Begin to pray that your body does what it was designed to do. Create the cells it was supposed to create. Miraculous things can happen to those who believe. Continue to pray for healing in my wife and and everything she's gone through over these years. Miracles, miracles upon miracles, so that we can have testimonies. We can begin to tell others about it. 
If you're sick right now, I just pray for you. In the name is Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, be healed. Heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, be healed from the inside out for the glory of the Lord. I pray for divine protection, that Psalm 91 covering, to be in effect for each and every one of us. That the inspiration of the Holy Spirit would be ours. And that this remnant that I've been speaking to would wake up. Some of you are trying to wake up. You're like that person that's been asleep so long they, they can't come out of that dream. They, they just can't get it together. Well, it's time we got it together. We have to wake up. We have to rise up. We have to answer the call to action. And for those that have been blessed, and I know many that have been blessed, they need to be a blessing. If the Lord has given it to you, then be a conduit to those that need it. If you don't know of anybody, we'll start right here. This ministry, the firefall, everything that we've been working on to do needs help. It takes so long because we have to wait as the supply drips in. Manna doesn't fall from heaven. Money doesn't miraculously appear in our account. If it did, we'd probably have a call from the IRS, a letter, a knock on the door. Gee, Mr. Grun, how'd that million dollars show up in your account? Uh, God? Yeah, I don't think that works. It's got to come through us. It's got to come through believers. We have a documentary to finish. We've got jobs to do. We have people to help, places to go. We're going to be highly mobile and highly effective In the next 30 to 60 days, I'm declaring that, that the dreams and the visions and the missions and the callings shall happen. The Great Commission shall go into overdrive. Continue to pray with us for divine favor and ongoing legal matters that have been slowed down with the shutdown for myself, uh, for us, for our son and daughter-in-law, that these things, and for anybody that's got one right now, that the, the high priest, the judge, that the main courtroom in heaven would declare and decree in our favor. And then finally, as always, this has to be a prayer for our lost family members. Their window of opportunity is closing. They're running out of time. Stacy in Texas offered an unspoken prayer request for her and her family, Kim in Fort Mitchell, Uh, They're getting ready for their trip on Sunday. She says, I praise my father for saving my soul, keeping me sober one day at a time. Praise him for the love and patience that he has with me. For my children, husband, mom, dog, Bruno, my friend Stacy, my family in Germany, the porch community, and her AA network. Lord, please continue to keep everyone safe that's named above and provide for our family. Shield and protect us from this virus and the lies created by the enemy. She's asking, praying for safe travels and a smooth flight, that uh, the Lord would provide for our families, heal the land, that his compassion we would feel for each other, not judgment. Praying for unsaved family members to be saved and for the quarantine period in Germany not to be extended, she asked in Jesus' name. Lord, you're in control. Whatever you will shall be done. We pray that, Lord. On earth, as it is in heaven, let your will be done. But do we understand what that means? I pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and our minds to that understanding. You're not surprised by anything. You know the end from the beginning. You've already seen it before we've experienced it. And now we are going through it. So we need the comfort that comes from knowing that you know. We need your hand on our lives, our homes, our families, pets, possessions, our finances, everything that we need to live in this fallen world. We love you, Father. We thank you for how much you love us. We thank you for your patience with us. We thank you for making a way where there seemed to be no way. And that way was Yeshua, the one way to you, your son, your only begotten son who you had died for us on the cross so that we could be reconciled to you. Lord, thank you for doing that. Thank you for enduring the pain, the shame, and everything that you allowed them to do to you, knowing full well at a moment's notice you could have called 
for the angelic host and they would have come and stopped it, but you didn't. You went through it all. You shed every drop of blood. But now you're alive. You sit at the right hand of the Father and we get to sit with you in the heavenly places. Help us to understand that. Help us to experience that better, Holy Spirit. Open our eyes, open our minds, clear us of all the distractions and the weights of this world so we can hear your word, we can absorb your word, we can take this in so that it can then go out to others. So we thank you. We ask that you bless the technology, bless this time. Let your will be done. Holy Spirit, have your way. And I just pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So here we are, week 19 of the Awakened Remnant. This has been important been important to me. I know it's important to the Lord because he won't release me from it. I thought I was done last week, and then he wanted to connect it to something I've been working on about the kingdom of God. We have been called to wake up. We have been called to become aware of something. We've been called to cause others to wake up, to get stirred up, to become enlightened, to become alert. We're called to get this word inside of us, to feed the fire. We're called to be dressed in the armor of God, not just as a fashion statement, but for the purpose that each and every part does. We're called to understand prayer, the purpose of it, the need for persistence And we're called to walk it out. We have that example in the Word. From Genesis to Revelation, every person called by God, anointed by God, had to do something with it. It's not always easy. It's not always going to go well. Sometimes the path is uneven. Sometimes you're going to trip. You're going to fall. You're going to scuff a knee or twist an ankle. But you have to get up. This is the fallen world. It's not smooth. It's not even. You have to keep going. And that is the kingdom way. This path that we're on is different than the path that we were on before, though at times they seem to run alongside of each other parallel. But the truth is, They're just slightly off, that one degree off, because the destination is completely different for both. When we began this, when I began this section of the thought process, we were in Jeremiah 6, with the prophet Jeremiah, starting in verse 16, says, Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. What a dichotomy. It's telling you to walk, but then you're going to find rest. But they said, we, we will not walk in it. And the Lord said, I set watchmen over you saying, listen to the sounds of the trumpet. But they said, we will not listen. Therefore, therefore, since you didn't do those things, hear, you nations, and know, O congregation that is among them, hear, O earth, behold, I will bring calamity upon these people, the fruit of their thoughts, because they've not heeded my words nor my law, but rejected it. The directions have always been there. We're in a moment through this pandemic, interest, pan, P-A-N, the God of mischief, 
We're in the middle of this pandemic. And it's been a wake-up call. It's exposed people for who they are. It has squeezed them enough for what's inside of them to come out. It has exposed things in every part of life, politically, financially. Uh, Just everything is exposed right now. You found out who the strong people are and who the sheeple are that will just follow the path and walk into the mouth of the wolves. They won't even... They won't even bah. And then you found those that'll dig their heels and draw the sword, hold up the shield and say, nope, not this one. But he's put us here to get our attention. We haven't listened before, and I don't know that we're listening now. But he said, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is. Stand by the roads and look. The eternal paths where the good old way is. The eternal paths are created for people of an eternal God before eternity. Adam's walk in the Garden of the Eden was that eternal path. He was never supposed to die. He was never supposed to get sick. He was never supposed to do anything but what he was doing at that moment. And we know what happened there. Hasatan got in. But Adam was walking in the literal newness of life. But when we choose not to walk that eternal path, we become a people of the world. In many ways, we become a people of the kingdoms of this world. And we're subject to those kingdoms and the ruler of this world. The concept of walking is common in the Bible, but it's really extensive in the New Testament. Peripateo is the Greek word, literally to walk around, but it also signifies a sphere of spiritual existence. Wherever you are right now, if you are born again, if you're spirit-filled, if you're walking in the will of the Lord, you are living a spiritual existence. You're walking in the newness of life no no matter how long you've been saved. Remember, time does not exist in the spirit realm. Following the instructions and the inspiration, that internal uh, push of the Holy Spirit. Romans 6, 4, we were buried with him through baptism into death. And just as Messiah was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. That word newness in the Greek is a variation on the word renewal. Newness in the Lord is a renewal to what we were meant to be. And at some point, our bodies will follow suit. And of course, this then takes us into Galatians. I was sharing somebody the other day some of the things I'm learning about the kingdom of God that he's been showing me. And as I began to explain it to him, I said, if, if you understand what I'm saying, then you'll begin to see the book of Romans and the book of Galatians completely differently. And he began to see it. I'm hoping that I will either share this new teaching with you here, or I may do a um, online seminar get-together kind of thing. I have not gotten a clear direction from the Lord on that. But again, that walk, peripateo, walk, go, walk about, be occupied. Figuratively, it means to live or follow. It is a way of life. Too many people that call themselves believers turn it on and off. It's a way of life on Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, and maybe a couple of times during the week. But if it gets in the way of their social life or their friends or their jobs or whatever it is they do, they turn it off. Folks, you can't do that. I mean, wait, you can do that, but you shouldn't do that. And we're reaching a place in the times, in these end times, where every time you flip it off, you're in danger. It would be like that internal GPS that you turn off and then you walk into a dangerous area and then nobody can find you. When you turn that off, you've walked into the danger of this world. And the only way, the only consistent way to overcome 
the desires of the flesh is to live step by step in the power of the Holy Spirit who's working with us through our spirit. So let's go back to Galatians 5, starting verse 16. I say then, this is Paul speaking to the Galatians, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and they are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissension, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All those things I mentioned from 19 through 21. That's what they're occupied with. That's what they're following. That's their way of life. And the Holy Spirit is saying no. But he doesn't force you. He doesn't yell at you. He just says, no, don't do that. That's called conviction. And then you choose whether to listen or not. But that walking is step by step. You know, the amazing thing about walking it out, the path of his word, the walk of faith, is a step by step. Yes, Paul says we're running the race, we're trying to finish, but it's one foot in front of the other. Now, the lust of the flesh, epithemia, means to covet or desire, for longing what is forbidden. Pretty much that's what happened to Eve and then Adam in the garden. They were longing for what is forbidden. That is not the normal life of a born-again believer living under grace. Let me say that again. To covet or desire or to long for what is forbidden is not the normal life of a born-again believer living under grace. It's the condition of someone living in the flesh outside of grace, and therefore they are under the law. That's what he means when he says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You're being led by the Spirit. You're under the covering of the Spirit. You're going into the places the Spirit is taking you. Therefore, you're outside the categories of the law. That's what you should be doing. Second Corinthians 10, 5 and 6, when it says, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God pushes back against it, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Messiah and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Well, what arguments are you casting down? The arguments within yourself, the arguments within your mind, the arguments within your flesh that is coming from the influence of who? Hasatan and the fallen. The strongholds of the mind, the reasoning against the word and the will of God. I hear it so much from people that should know better. Well, I don't, I don't really know if I agree with that. Well, that was for then. That isn't for now. That's reasoning. That's pushing back against the Word of God. And I see it every day without even people knowing that they're doing it. Sin is sin. There are no such things as big sins, little sins. When I was in the Catholic Church, they had measurements for sins. Mortal sins, which will kill you and take you into hell. And then venial sins. Oh, they're small little things. Just flick it off like a, you know. Just flick it away. It's a venial sin. No, sin is sin. 
Sin is anything that will separate you from God. And at that moment, you are fair game to the fallen. Stop arguing with the word. Stop reasoning with the word. These arguments or any system of ethics or religion, mythology, metaphysics, which occult or paranormal, doctrines, philosophy, uh, all the gods or systems that fell because of the power of the gospel. Oh, all the philosophers, Plato, Aristotle, the Stoics, even Judaism falls before the preaching of the crucified and risen Messiah. Paganism, heathenism has been pushed back, although it's seeing a recurrence and it's coming back because of the arguments and the reasoning and people have started not to listen. All the secular powers of the world spend so much time to defend it and also to shut down the gospel. Look at what's happening in this pandemic. Churches and church services are being attacked even if you're sitting in your car outside the church. It's obvious what's going on. At least it's obvious to me. When I talk to sheeple about it, their eyes glaze over and they go, Bah! And I I realize that I'm not getting through to them. These arguments are, are rejecting the life and the teachings of the Lord. They're the exact opposite of it. And that's what Paul's alerting us to. That the reality of the greatest battles in the life of a believer are fought in your mind. We need to be walking out each moment by faith in God's word under the control of the Spirit. And that's where we get the absolute victory over these desires. But look what he says. I tell you beforehand, just as I've told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I'm starting to see that Paul meant both the kingdom that is to come and the kingdom that is now. If you live in those things or if those things are a part of your life, it's no wonder you have no authority. It's no wonder you have no peace. You're living in the kingdom of the world. So you need to have the kind of faith that is based upon the Spirit, not based upon the law. You can't fulfill the law. can't be done. We have to walk each moment by faith in God's Word, under the control of the Holy Spirit. And if you do that, you are guaranteed absolute victory over the desires of your fleshly nature. And living outside the law doesn't lead you to spiritual ruin, as many would think. If the Holy Spirit's guiding your life, you're on the narrow path. You're on the perfect path to follow the will of God. But see, back then, when Jeremiah was telling this to the people, they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to listen. But he was trying to tell them, Jeremiah 31, 33, he was trying to give them hope of of something that's coming. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So what did they do? They created these little leather boxes and wrapped them around their heads so they stuck out from the front of their forehead. No, he meant it on the inside of your mind, as in thoughts. He meant he was going to write it on your hearts, not on tablets. That's why it gets quoted again in Hebrews 8.10. Believing in Yeshua, being born again, being spirit, is the fulfillment of that. The spirit inside of you is the spirit that raised him from the dead. The spirit inside of you is the same power that he used to speak everything into existence. And if you'll submit to that... Stop wrestling with it. Stop arguing with it. Your life will be what it's supposed to be. But trying to keep the law and combat sin in our flesh, which means your flesh is fighting your flesh, leads to failure. And that is not the kingdom way. So he offers us in Galatians 5 some secrets to victorious living. One, stand fast in the liberty of the gospel, living by grace, 
and not trying to keep the law. To maintain justification in grace by faith and obey the truth. Three, walk in the Spirit. Four, if you're going to walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. Five, crucify the flesh with all of its desires, affections, and lusts. Well, you you do have to make an effort. The Spirit doesn't do that for you. He helps you to do it. Six, demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in your life, meaning use it, share it, activate it. And then seven, just live in the Spirit. I know how hard that is. The distractions of this world, the cares of this world, everything pulling at you, relationships, money, uh, what's going on in the world. That's why I said I, I'm at the place, and, and I'm close. As soon as the breakthrough blessing that I believe is right around the corner comes, social media, the news, all those things, I won't have time for. And I will gladly not have time for it. I will gladly not watch the the news to hear what's going on for the 47th time in the 15th different way by the same handful of people who never go to jail, who never get punished. I want to live in the Spirit. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to have the kingdom of God manifested in my life with the signs and the wonders, living out the Great Commission, destroying the works of the enemy, doing what I was called and born to do when the Lord placed me in my mother's womb for the purpose that I have and for what I live for today, to finally live it out for however long or short it may be that the cares of this world will not matter, the distractions of this world will not matter, even what the enemy does will not matter because he'll be playing catch-up behind me and behind those that I'm running with. See, we've been in a struggle, we've been in a war, and it's about to shift, and the enemy's going to have to play catch-up. But in doing so, we've got to be conscious of the things of the flesh that Paul mentions in Galatians 5. They are ever-present in the world. They're like a disease in the world. You worried about a virus? How about the virus of sin? How about the aspects of sin that become a separate strain of one one virus? Adultery which is simply the unlawful sexual relations between men and women, whether single or married, but they're not married to each other. They've made commitments to others. Fornication, well, same as adultery, but now it falls into a different category of sexual sin. You know, what you're about to see here is the majority of the things that Satan uses to destroy us are sexual in nature, uncleanness, that's any form of sexual perversion. You name it, it falls into that category. I'm not going to go through all of them. Some of them are really nasty. Some of them have become common and accepted in this world. You can't turn on a TV show, a movie, or anything without it being broadcast. Hey, this is normal. Accept this. Except the programming. No, no, no. Lasciviousness, that's lustful, lewdness, that's wantonness. That's, again, everything you're being told in this world. Lasciviousness is the promoting or partaking of that which tends to produce lewd emotions or anything tending to foster sexual sin and lust. That's why worldly pleasures are things we've been told to avoid. You know, the other thing about lasciviousness, and this came to me as I was working on this. It wasn't something I set out to think about. I've been in church service. I've actually been in events that were supposed to be spiritual. And I've seen people dressed in such a way to promote a sexual response. They're on the prowl. They're looking for a mate. 
I've heard the conversations in the parking lot. I may have told you this. I was at a, out in California for a month working on a, a project and was going to this really big, popular black church, and the praise and worship was, was tremendous. And then at the end of it, I'm standing with a group of guys that I'm working with that went there, and the girls are coming through the parking lot, and the things they were saying, I finally couldn't help it. And I went, guys, we we just came out of an anointed service, and you're standing less than 30 feet from the door undressing that girl with your eyes and your words. How How do you do that? Well, they didn't have an answer, and... I was that super religious guy. And then there's idolatry, any image worship. No idols or images made with man's hands. None. We weren't supposed to have them. Why is there no description of Yeshua in the Bible except for the fact that he was of no appearance? Because he didn't want us concentrating on that. He didn't want our affections going to that. Then you have witchcraft, pharmacia, sorcery, um, magical incantations, interacting with evil spirits, casting spells or charms by means of drugs or potions or words, whatever. Oh, yeah, we do have witchcraft in the church. You didn't know that? We do. Hatred. My goodness. It's one thing to hate the sin, but then when you start hating the sinner, to have an abhorrence or a malice or an ill will towards anyone, grudges. Oh, my goodness. There are people that are tops of denominations, leading seminaries that speak evil and vile things about people like me who speak in tongues and cast out demons and Walk in the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, my goodness. Evil, evil things, they say. But then again, they call the Lord Beelzebub. And then dissensions. Any discord or quarreling or debating or disputes, is it going to change anything getting into that argument online? Or you're just trying to be right. When the internet first came out, boy, I was in every forum, in every chat room. I was confronted. And then finally, I just said, what is the point? Nobody's listening. Envies, jealousies, striving to excel at the expense of another, seeking to surpass or outdo someone, whether in religion or business or society. That jealousy, the the things that get triggered in us. And then you have the rage, the domestic and civil turmoils and all the things that go through that the enemy stirs up. I get it. Sometimes things happen. You lose your control for a moment, but then that self-control, that aspect of the spirit has to come in. But some people live in wrath. They live in anger. They live in indignation. And from that, it creates strife. Strife over words, superiority, uh, wrongdoing, inequality. I see believers out there that are fighting for equality, but in doing so, they have become the very thing that they're fighting. Why didn't the Lord get involved in those things? They tried to suck him into it. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Zealots, he he had one purpose and one mission in mind. And then we have the seditions, the divisions, the the strife, whether it's government or religion or home or any other place. You notice how all these things are destructive. They're wasted energy. And then the heresies, the false teachings, the false prophets, the the things that I hear come out of people's mouths or in their belief structure or in their behavior that we both know doesn't line up with the word. But then we get back to the beginning. They don't accept the word anymore. That was for then. This is now. I hope they try that argument when they stand before him. And then the envying that people have, ill will, jealousy over someone else's good fortune or blessing. 
I've been there. People don't want to hear your blessing. They don't want to enjoy in your blessing. If they don't have it, they're angry about it. They start praying against you. I'm blessed when someone else gets blessed. That gives me hope. That feeds my faith. And then there's murders. How can we even be talking about this, Paul? To kill or to spoil or to mar the happiness of another or their lives? Remember, he's speaking to the church. Drunkenness, revelries, all this behavior, First Peter 4, 3, for the time that has passed already suffices for, for doing what the Gentiles like to do, living as you've done in shameless, insolent wantonness, lustful desires, drunkenness, revel, reveling, drinking bouts, and abominable lawless idolatry. Peter, you're talking to believers. But you had to remind them. We're always being reminded we live in a fallen world. This is not our home. And if you notice, if you go back to Galatians 5, it's broken down like this. There are four sins of the lust, four sins of impiety or superstition, nine sins of anger, and two sins of of uncontrolled appetite, eating and drinking. I'll just simplify it for you. There are two kingdoms in this world the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, and you will serve one of them. And your behavior, the fruit on your tree, will tell me where your tree is planted. Now, here's, here's the danger of this. There's a price for living in the other kingdom. Romans 1, 28-32. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge... God gave them over to a debased mind. Basically, he let them do what they wanted to do, to do the things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Remember at the end of Galatians 5.21, I warned you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. These are the things that not only keep us from the eternal kingdom, but also pull us out of it while we're here on earth. We should be walking in a kingdom authority. We should be walking in a kingdom blessing. We should be walking in a kingdom mindset. And the enemy is doing everything he can to pull you over that line, pull you into his kingdom. And any time the flesh wins the battle, we've been pulled back into this world. Later on in Galatians, he says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Do not be deceived, deluded, or misled. God will not allow himself to be sneered at, scorned, disdained, or mocked by mere pretensions or professions, or by his precepts being set aside. He inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God. For whatever a man sows, that and that only is what he will reap. For he sows to his own flesh, the lower nature, the sensuality, will from flesh reap decay and ruin and destruction. But there is a way out. He who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. That word sow means to plant the seed and to receive its crop. The warnings are always there. Ephesians 5.3, fornication, all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints. And in Ephesus, you know, they were very powerful, supernatural people. They were living in a town of the supernatural, the 
Roman goddess Diana, which is the Greek goddess Artemis. They worshipped her, and there were people that were empowered by that demonic spirit. And sexual immorality and greed ran rampant. Paul was trying to warn the believers about these pitfalls. We live in a fallen world. It's all around us. It's not going to change until the Lord comes back and they're all put into the pit and the chains. And even after a millennia of peace and everything wonderful, he'll get out and still deceive some people. But right now, while we're here, we cannot live in religious compromise. We cannot mingle with the world because that leads to spiritual adultery, which leads to other things. But he's always warning the church. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11. I'm trying to get you to see the kingdom of darkness more clearly, the kingdom of this world, because once we get into the kingdom of God and how to walk into it, you have to recognize the danger signs. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. As such were some of you. But you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of Adonai Yeshua, the Lord Jesus by what? By the Spirit of God. The New Testament constantly blaring the warning of a horrible future awaiting those who ignore how to walk the kingdom way, how to walk in the eternal path, how to walk in the ways prescribed by their Creator. Over and over and over, almost every epistle from the apostles warns about the influence of the fallen. That's who he's talking about, by the way, in Romans 1, which I already read, 18 through 21. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Nobody can say they weren't shown. But here we go. Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. We're talking about the creation of the world, talking about them speaking everything into existence, including the Beneha Elohim, the sons of God, some of which were fell. His invisible attributes are clearly seen in the quantum realm and in outer space and the cells of our body. His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. They can't say they didn't know. And because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Romans 1 takes everything back to Genesis 6, back to to the destruction of mankind, back even to the seduction in the garden. Although they knew him, they did not glorify him as God of all. And they were unthankful. And their thoughts were so futile and their hearts were foolish and filled with darkness. If people choose to walk in the old ways of the flesh, they're walking a path to death and destruction. Walking in the flesh subjects you to the law. The only way you're not under the law is if you're walking in the spirit as a born-again believer anyone else is subject to the law. Fail in one aspect of the law and you fail in all of it. But born again, walking in the spirit gives life, removes that threat. This 
is important stuff. It may not tickle your ears. It may not, you know, I, I don't even know. This is important stuff. Look at the world around you. Look at the people you follow on social media that, you know, they post the pictures of Sunday service and where they've gone and the conferences. But then watch the other things that they post. See if there's any fruit on that tree. People give themselves away. Just like Cain gave himself away in Genesis 4. You know, Cain and Abel gave gifts to God. Abel's was accepted. Cain's was not. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why do you look sad and depressed and dejected? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not, if you don't do well, sin crouches at your door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. That that was the amplified. The King James clearly says, and his desire shall be for you. Personalizes it, and we know that Cain didn't master it because in the very next scripture we find out he enticed his brother Abel out into the fields and killed him. When that lion from 1 Peter 5, 8 is roaming about, you better, you better wake up. You better be balanced and temperate and sober of mind. You better be vigilant and cautious at all times. You can't let your guard down. For that enemy of yours, the devil, and his kingdom and all that serve him, they, they're, they're roaming about like lions roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and tear apart with their teeth. That's what devour means, nothing pretty about it. Be vigilant, Gregorio, to keep awake, to be watchful. Be awake, be watchful. Some choices that may seem right and obvious from a human perspective are choices that lead to death if we don't become more vigilant. We have to walk in the light. We have to walk in the ever-present power of the Holy Spirit. We have to walk subject to his word. We've got to walk in the narrow gate because we know the wide gate and the wide path is to destruction. Oh, nope, too narrow for me, won't walk in it, won't listen or obey, I'm sorry, can't hear it, I don't hear that watchman, I don't hear that sound of warning, I'm going to do my own thing, I'm my own man, I'm my own woman, hear me roar, defiance leads to destruction, and all I'm saying is walk in the good way, walk in the kingdom way, walk into the paths of life and where his presence is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand means you're walking with him. Where pleasures forevermore. The good way is. It's walking with him because he is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're walking with him, you're walking towards the Father. There's only one way. Where the good way is, is walking with him in the spirit in the kingdom of God. That's where the awakened remnant must walk. We must walk in a kingdom way. We must walk in a kingdom power. We must walk in a kingdom peace and a kingdom mindset. So, Father, right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, just right now, through everybody that's listening and opening up to your word, with that spotlight of the Spirit and your love and your grace and your mercy, begin to show them the two paths that they keep jumping back and forth from. Show them that path of the world. Show them the path of the kingdom. Show them the choices that have been made. Show them the, the Ishmael choices of seeking your permissive will to do what they want. But then show them Isaac, the perfect will, the place of promise. Help us right now, Holy Spirit. Help us. We want to walk in the fullness of the kingdom of God, the kingdom way, 
to do what must be done in these final days to prepare the way for the king, to make straight the path. We need you. We need that light. We need the glory. We need everything that goes with the kingdom way. We want to be blessed by you, but we know you're not going to honor our foolishness. You're not going to honor our sin. Right now, we repent of everything known and unknown. We seek your guidance. We seek your blessing. We seek your way. And if you agree with me, if everything I said is what you want, say amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.